Anonymous Americans for the cutting edge mental health knowledge. I am Dr. Ryan Howes, a psychologist from Pasadena, California. And I'm Dr. Brooke Lewis, a registered clinical counselor from Coquitlam. I'm Chris Boyd, psychotherapist from Fort Moody. And I'm Dennis Boyd. I'm a psychologist and I'm in Coquitlam, suburb of Vancouver. Yes, indeed. Thank you so much for joining us here tonight, Dennis. You're welcome. For those who don't know, Dennis is Chris's father and Joanna's. Joanna's not here. Mm -hmm. So he's joining the bullpen tonight. He's joining the bullpen. There you are. Yes. Bring out the baseball analogies of just watching the Dodgers. Yes. Um, Yes, Dennis, you are officially by far our most frequent guest and... We love it. Love it when you show up. Absolutely. Uh, thanks for inviting me. It's great. Great. Always good to touch base. Mm-hmm. Right on. Good deal. So I was just watching some baseball, uh, a fair weather fan of the Los Angeles Dodgers that I am. Um, but have you guys been watching anything? <laughs> not too sports related. Not, not baseball. No, no, no. no. Not baseball up here. Watch the odd football game. Okay, football, yeah. good. Watching uh, these Seahawks struggle. Yes, they were two and four this season, which is very upsetting. That's okay. When... Uh, we were watching a sports-related show, kind of. Okay, what is the sports-related show? This ESPN Sports Center, something like that. No, 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 no. Ted Lasso. Have you seen heard Ted Lasso? I've heard of this show. Yes. Who hasn't heard of this show? My goodness, it's really taken off for all of our listeners. We should do a Ted Lasso review instead of a book club review. Oh, boy, that'd be fun. So much there. Yeah, so Brooke and I have been watching it uh, recently. There's certain shows out there that uh, our clients talk about a lot, also friends and family, too. And Ted Lasso is is definitely one of those shows. So Mm -hmm. Uh, Squid Game would be the other one that everyone's talking about. So as therapists, sometimes you kind of have to, you know, delve into these series just so you know, know what's going on. It might also be some metaphors worth using too within those shows. Mm-hmm. I, I was joking with someone recently that when you, when you receive your license as a psychotherapist, you, you also basically hand over your right to any spoilers from any TV shows or movies. <laughs> yeah right like yeah. and that's and that's fine it's not a big deal it's a small price to pay but you know i oftentimes will have clients who want to talk about a movie because they really identify it identify with it or they you know there's something really passionate about it and they're like oh have you seen it yet and i'm like no but just tell me go ahead let's hear let's talk about it <laughs> yeah. that's so true yeah. and then when you do watch it you view it in a totally different way right yeah because now you're thinking about that client or what they had said, it primes you a little bit, but yeah, no, I, I dig this Ted Lasso show. I think if it were made in an earlier time, like a few decades ago, I think Ted Lasso would have been played by John Candy. Mm. Oh, the Canadian a, John Candy. Yeah. Now that you guys like, when you watch it, you'll kind of see it like kind of similar vibe to his character in planes, trains and automobiles. Like, mm-hmm this joyous, happy, optimistic, but there's still emotion underneath there. 
that maybe is a little bit suppressed and it's nice to see it come out when it does. And yeah, I, I think it would have been played by John Candy. Yeah, Del Griffith, right? Classic movie. But yeah, the jokes and the upbeat nature, mm. even though it kind of sounds like him at times, but mm-hmm. yeah. But what, yeah, what a great character Ted Lasso is. Very optimistic. And obviously we don't want to ruin anything for our listeners. Yeah, but um, you Canadians are always making it all about you guys. I mean, come on, geez. <laughs> See, you're always pulling it back, pull the conversation back around to, oh, this is about Canada. Come on. Yeah. I mean, you know, pickle trunks, all of it, you know? Yeah. I think Jim Carrey would be a great Ted Lasso as well. There you and go. Jim Carrey. Good point. Yeah. Oh, I see I think Alanis Morissette like, said, would <laughs> be great. <laughs> <laughs> maybe Justin that. Bieber. That'd be good. Put me in there. Yeah. Uh, what, uh, I've heard people talk about Ted La- and I've watched it myself, but people talk about the show as having a, a real it's a different quality than a lot of other just sitcom sort of shows. What what do you think is it a, about this show that kind of appeals to people so much? I think it's uh I think it's upbeat. I think it has an you know, optimistic tone, but it has depth to it. The character development I think is really good. There's also some wisdom. You know, the, the guy can, um, obviously has a bit of a philosophy that he introduces, but he executes very well. But um, what, I, what struck me too about Ted is he he's a very confident guy. Like some of the stuff he says and just, you know, he gets so much uh, negative feedback there just based on the circumstances. Um, but he kind of rolls with it, right? Mm-hmm. Do you get that sense as well? that you kind of have to be confident in your abilities and your self-worth to, to kind of, you know, live life like Ted Lasso. Mm-hmm. He also yeah. is vulnerable. There's some vulnerability there with his marriage breaking down and, and the pain that he's experiencing around that. I think we'll, uh, you know, that's really enough in the first season that we're not spoiling it for too many people, but we're getting a little bit of a reality check there for him. He's, he's not just this uh, optimistic, upbeat, creative guy. Mm-hmm. he's not a one-dimensional guy that's for sure yeah. yeah yeah but i agree his boldness to just be who he is with all of his quirks and jokes and um i think that's appealing for people so that they mm-hmm. don't have to like wear the mask or fall into what they should be acting like like he's just owning who he is and um, that's refreshing i think the show in general is refreshing because there's so many heavy shows out there that like mm. go viral right um yeah not always yeah there's not always somebody to root for that's for sure so i'm thinking yellowstone house of cards mm. remember that show like there wasn't yeah this is just it's just so refreshing or squid game it's lighthearted true. more lighthearted a little bit mm. after school especially but in a fun way good way Good point. Well, you guys, you, you'll see, you'll notice some interesting changes in season two. So this will, we'll have to revisit this when you guys are uh, are done with the whole series. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's season. definitely one to reflect on all the characters as they develop, like kind of what's going on with them. And all the main characters really do develop through the season or so far. Um, yeah, I think it's great. What did you, uh, there's a psychologist portrayed, I think, well, you won't have seen that yet. So when we, you, uh, if I'm around, I'll join you, talk about the second season. There's a 
sports psychologist shows up. Be interested in your thoughts about her once you've got a chance to see her in action. Oh, that'll be fun. Yes. I will bite my tongue until then. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Ron Reynolds, he would have been a great Ted Lasso as well. (laughs) (laughs) Ryan Reynolds or perhaps Brian Adams could have been good as well. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, great. All right. There's your pop culture update for the week. But we are fortunate to have a topic today. And Chris, I believe, is the owner of said topic. That's me. Yeah, I'm up. You're up. Should I send it down? All right. When you're ready, send it across the border. Okay. My text is just getting a PCR test right now. But it is double vaxxed. Yeah, it is double vaxxed. So it's going to hopefully make it over. Okay. Let's see if it crosses through customs there. Test came uh, negative. It's coming. Coming over. Okay, this is an interesting one. This kind of of comes out of left field, and I'm kind of curious about this topic. All right, let's dive into this. Retiring from work is a major life change that can bring stress as well as benefits. Why do some people's mental health decline once they retire? How can we help prepare folks for retirement or respond to challenges once retired? Okay, retirement question. This is good. Weird we, that we you uh, bring that up, Chris. We've never touched on this topic before. This is good. We haven't. And you know what? We've done quite a few podcasts, you know, and I uh, had to cycle through and uh, see if we could find a topic we haven't touched on yet. I'm kind of surprised we haven't discussed this one. And also asked a very special guest to be in the bullpen today, who is potentially contemplating a bit of a slow retirement, step away from professional work over the next couple of years. So I'm sure he has some insight on this as well. So it's very strategic. There you are. Surprise. (laughs) Not just that, but I think, Dennis, you're, uh, I would like to maybe pick your brain a bit during this podcast as well about how grief connects into retirement, because for the listeners that don't know, Dennis has worked in grief for nearly 40 years. Um, it's quite the specialist in it. And I would imagine that that would complicate somebody's reaction to retirement. That's a, it's a big loss. Yeah. I don't think people really give that much thought before they, uh, they get into it and they have that kind of uh, honeymoon period, you know, month or two or three or four months. And then the grief will tend to catch up. They realize they've lost contact with friends and this and that. So there is a grief component there for sure. Uh, but it's a very manageable one. I mean, it's, uh, I think it takes people by surprise, but if they know it's going to come and not to be surprised, they just share it and work it through. They're fine. But yeah, lots of losses involved with retirement. Yeah. Do you think that a lot? Oh, go ahead, Ryan. I was just going to say, isn't it so interesting kind of the, the dichotomy we have because so many people spend their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, thinking about retirement, thinking about, oh gosh, won't it be great? I just can't wait till that day I retire, right? And and yet we know that it's not all a picnic. It's not all party, you know? Sure, you don't have to work, but you're also losing a lot of pieces of identity and uh, and like you said, the relationships and routine and structure. And and people don't, don't pay much attention to that, it seems. Yeah, I agree. I was thinking the same kind of thing that for a lot of people, they count down the days 
that's like their their big goal right freedom mm-hmm. 60 65 whatever that might be and um so the idea of retirement uh being challenging um doesn't really pop into people's minds because mm-hmm. they honestly think that they're it's going to boost their well-being not having to deal with a stress-related work well uh, yeah i i get that sense too that it's a little bit more sometimes people can have that mindset of like they know what they don't want anymore. Like they don't want to work anymore, but they don't necessarily know what they do want, what that might look like or how they're going to have fulfillment, meaning and purpose and connection. And um, they, they haven't really thought that far ahead sometimes. And you get a lot of people, I think that uh, uh, don't enjoy their jobs that much, you know, and they, they can't wait to stop for that reason. And they and that in itself is a relief, I suppose. But if you don't have a few other things going on, letting go of something you don't like isn't the solution because uh, you still gotta live, right? You gotta still, the suicide rate with males is highest between 65 and 75. And I can't help but think that um, there's something to do with a poor adjustment to retirement, perhaps people who, invested too much of their lives in their work. And, you know, we know it's hard not to do that to some degree. And once they, uh, they stop, there's not much else. So I guess there's a case to be made for having a life besides working, having a few other things on the go so that when the work stops, you've got some places to hang your hat, you know, things yeah. to do. You know, another interesting component of this is that a lot of families and relationships function very well based on the fact there's full-time work happening. So when someone retires, it often relationships will have to go through a major transition there because their partner is home all the time now and they have to start to get irritated by each other, perhaps. I don't know. Maybe, maybe we'll find that some of the, uh, some of the lockdown is kind of, uh, kind of helps that kind of immunizes some people against that. Cause I think a lot of people who maybe never did stay at home all the time, but spent a lot of the last year and a half at home and like, oh, this might be a little more what it's like. Huh. That's, that's a really good point. Yeah. I've seen that a lot with even kids going to school. They had right. so much downtime playing video games and doing their thing that they kind of missed school. They missed going and obviously what goes along with that, seeing their friends and whatnot. So people may start to conceptualize retirement a little differently mm-hmm. after uh, this, this lockdown or mm-hmm. this pandemic. Possible. I feel like it's not really talked about enough. Definitely. Like you, when you, or when I hear about retirement planning, I like, I see it in the view of financial, when you're doing your retirement planning, that's financially how you're going to be secure after. But um, I don't know, is there, do you guys feel like there is much of a focus on retirement planning in the sense of mental health and well-being or is that kind of like a a missing piece my sense is there is a bit of that going on uh the bigger companies uh, i remember a few years ago doing some retirement workshops pre-retirement workshops with a colleague of ours and uh and it was put on by a school board and you know trying to get their teachers ready that kind of thing but i bet it's fairly isolated i'm pretty sure uh, there are lots of companies that don't go down that path. They just uh, give the golden handshake and you're on your way kind of thing, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. unfortunately. Yeah, I think there's so much to this because, um, and actually, first and foremost, it's not always the case that people have challenges after retirement. Um, Brooke's dad, for instance, he's been retired for a few years, four years, and absolutely loves it. Like he has not missed work at all. And 
and um, maybe we can talk a bit more about what, how, or why that's been uh, such a success for him. But, but I think there's a lot going on here. Like I have a, a client I work with who's been in a car accident and she's been off work for a while. And uh, so she finally is working a bit part-time during the week. And she's like, when I work, my mind is focused and I don't get lost in the rumination and fixation. So I imagine that a lot of people, um, you know, when they work and have these careers, they're not, uh, their mind is in the moment, they're focused on completing tasks and whatever that might be. So when things slow down a bit, that's where they can maybe have to face some underlying stuff that's been lingering under the surface for a while. Why do you think Brooke's dad is doing so well in his retirement? Because he tells us all the time. Well, I know, but why is he doing it? What makes him happy? <laughs> not That's working. Um, he, Apart from not working. Yeah. So he, he retired not young, like uh, just slightly ahead of time. So 64 uh, instead of 65. Mm -hmm. uh, and he was very excited to get out of that. But he just likes to putter and do his thing. He, he's a guy that always likes projects. Um, so he's always busy doing whatever it might be. And he's a bit of a perfectionist. Um, so when he does a project, it's very meticulous and detailed and he takes his time with it. And so it, yeah, he often says, which I hear from a lot of retired folks, is that he's, he doesn't understand how he fit work into his day. Is that, you know, he comes in at three o'clock and he's been out in the yard or in the shop. He's um, a mechanic by trade. So he has a big shop. So he likes to putter and tinker in there and build things and fix things. And he likes to maintain the yard and do all of that. And he helps a bit with the house cleaning. And so at the end of, you know, he takes a break at about three because he's been doing stuff since 7 a.m. And he's thinking, gosh, I'd be getting home in an hour. How did I fit work into my day? So um, he's not very social, so he doesn't really incorporate that piece, but that's okay with him. Yeah. And I bet he was, doing, he was doing some of that before he retired too. He had his job, but he puttered and he did the yard and there were things he were, you know, he had a life at home in addition to work, right? Yes, yeah. And now it's just, he can really dig into some of the bigger projects. I think as he got later on in his career, um, the energy from his career was taken away from his ability to do the things he enjoyed at home in his spare time, his hobbies and interests, because he would be pretty fried, right? right. So he was in middle management for, I don't know, probably 30 years at two separate companies. And so it was just a lot of responsibility and um, always waiting like on call things for emergencies. Yeah. And so I think that freedom of mind allowed him to start really digging into these projects that he loved. So. Mm -hmm. Driving my mom a little nutty, having him around because he's getting into all the things and it's messing with her systems, but that's okay. There you are. Yeah. I think if younger people are listening to this, and I suspect probably many of the people that are watching your podcast are, they should ask their parents, uh, what are they, have they thought about retirement? Uh, oh yeah, it'll be great. But what are you going to do when you retire? Because it's too late once you retire to start developing interests. I think too many people flounder there. We got to get her going now so that we can continue to expand it the way your dad did, which I think is really cool. One of the reasons I still work on two days a week now, so I'm sort of semi-retired and uh, I'm going to hang in there for a while because the guys I know who are retired, a couple of docs and some other people, they're busier now than they ever were. I mean, they are just, hey, they're having a good time, but they, 
I go back to work to rest for heaven's sake. It's nice to get back and have a break. Yeah. So what, 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 what's an example of some of the things you're talking about there, Dennis? I mean, I mean, Brooks dad, like chores and projects, right. that kind of stuff, which is great. What other things do people get into that that's, I guess, meaningful uh, use of their time? You know, I would say volunteer activities of one sort or another through their church or through Rotary International or the Elks Club or the Moose or whatever, where they get out and do something for other people. That seems to be that connection that they make by doing that seems to keep people really healthy. So I would suggest something like that. We're in Rotary. Uh, Maureen and I have done it for a number of years and uh, we've got little jobs to do here and there. And that certainly helps fill some of the time. So volunteer activities comes to mind right away, Ryan. That's great. That's great. Cause I think, I think what uh, I'm going to just beat Chris to the punch here because he I'm sure is going to pull out the Victor Frankel card at some point, but um, uh, I would think that having meaning and purpose is a very essential part of this. I mean, and regardless of where that comes from, I think something that, that gives you a reason to get out of bed in the morning, you know, gives you something to say, ah, yes, I'm, I'm, Working towards something or I'm looking forward to something is, is pretty essential, isn't it? I agree. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I was I was talking to a child psychologist at our practice and and the word retirement came up. And she's like, ah, I just don't like that word retirement. To me, it has a bit of a negative connotation. Um, she's like, for me, it, it's a transition. So I was doing this, now I'm gonna do that. Like I have something else lined up that I'm gonna engage in. So, um, but I think that's a big component of it, right? It's not about doing something than nothing. It's what can you do next to, to find that fulfillment, to find that meaning and purpose, which you're talking about. Yeah. That's a nice way to look at it. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we should, you know, at, at every high school and college graduation, they talk about this is a commencement and the commencement means like a moving on to something else. Maybe we should be calling retirement, we should call it commencement. Yeah. That's actually yes. a really good Good call. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I remember uh, um, my dad, my, my parents uh, and myself and a few other friends were out uh, in the Sunshine Coast up here close to Vancouver. And I think it was a Thursday and the old man there drove into the town close by. I think it was like 10 a.m. or 10.30 on a Thursday. And he saw this uh, fellow out walking his dog. We're on the same vintage. You're on the same age. He looked disheveled and he had his uh, robe on and just seemed like he was got up and had a pretty laid back morning. And he said, there was something oddly appealing about that. And I knew right then and there, I'm like, uh Oh, he's going to, you know, start stepping away here. But I sure hope that retirement also includes maybe having a bit of downtime there and having maybe shifting the pace for some people, perhaps, I don't know. Yeah. I think uh, I felt a real sense of freedom uh, when I saw that guy walking his dog. He didn't have, uh, I wouldn't probably do it in my pajamas, but, uh, and I don't have a dog, but I could get out there and I don't know, just this sense that this guy has nothing going that no pressure, no deadlines. He can do what he wants to do. And uh, it felt good. Uh, but today, you know, uh, had a day off today and we spent five, walked five K, I don't know, Ryan, three and a half, miles or so um, around a big park, a beautiful day, caught uh, the rain stop for a while and just sort of live the moment. You know, we're very mindful in that park today. And that's very therapeutic, as you guys know, getting out there and, and wandering around. So there's opportunities, more opportunities to do that sort of thing, which I think is really 
really great. It makes it next week. You're going to go spend a week near the ocean, walk on the beach and uh, maybe do a little planning for a, a, a wee got to do a little tiny bit of work there to justify the, uh, you know, the time or whatever, but uh, mostly going to walk on the beach and eat some clams or crabs and, you know, got time to do that now. So it's great. Yeah. Well, that sounds delightful, doesn't it? It does. It does. But, um, um, yeah. On this kind of vein, sort of, and a poke the bear a bit, you know, we're talking about kind of running on your own time and going with the flow and which is good. But I, I think that there's something to be said about keeping a, a routine as well, right? We do know structure and routine is, is helpful. Uh, for my dad during his retirement, his transition, he knew that was going to be important to him. He's always been an early riser. So he made sure he didn't switch into sleeping in. He, he gets up at 4.30 or 5 in the morning every day. And that's what he still does. Um, watches the sunrise, really likes it, and that's his thing, and that's fine. But uh, he knew that was a bit of a going to be important to him, right? So I do think that there's something to be said there as someone's transitioning to trying to find a routine. It might not be the exact same as what it was, but I think there needs to be a little bit of one. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think you've nailed it. Uh, and I, I wouldn't want you to assume because this guy's out walking. His, that was his routine. That was part of his routine. Yeah. And I'm sure he went home and had breakfast and then maybe went for a boat ride. But, you know, we get people who are off work, right? All of us do, who have people off work because of a depression or anxiety issues or uh, they've had an injury of some sort. And it makes it worse when they just sit around with this void in front of them. So we get them, don't we, to create a structure for themselves. And the structure can be very simple. For half an hour, I'm going to read. I'm going to have a coffee. I may watch a show. It doesn't matter what it is, but the structure really, you're on. Yeah, I think it really, uh, it's really good for, for people. Mm -hmm. Or even setting the goals of walking in the park for 5K. Sure. That's every day. Uh, you know, one of our retired dog friends, he does that every day. So goes out there. and he does, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. actually it's 10K he walks. Yeah, I joined him last Friday. 10 kilometers zigzagging through this park I'm exhausted at the end of it but yeah he has uh, he loves it he does it every day and of course as uh, my dad mentioned the benefits of connecting in nature is are, are very proven, right and so, they have the flexibility to change the story right to check change the schedule day to day and, and variety like tomorrow will be different than it was today kind of thing i'm going to mm -hmm. go to the berry farm and have a nice uh waffle covered with uh, blueberries Coffee, go down to Bonetti's Italian market, pick up some veal and steaks and a few other items, come home, go to a pub and uh, have, join some Rotarians. You know, it's the day's taking form here. Sounds great. It's a, a beautiful engaging day. engaging in your day, which I think is like the important part. Yeah, I think you're right. Intentionality, yeah. right? Yeah. Because yeah. with this too, my mind then also goes to, I mean, with space, and quiet comes time to reflect. So the things that maybe the busyness was helping people avoid might start to surface, which is maybe that unresolved grief or if there's something going on, unresolved business, I think that's a prime time for it to start to come up because there's nothing that's gonna keep them occupied unless then they over busy themselves in retirement with a bunch of different things and they're just as stressed out. So I think being busy and enjoying it is different than being busy and stressed out about it. I think they serve different functions. Very much so. Yeah, I agree. 
if you don't mind me with a, a quick aside here, I feel like I feel like it's important to point out the fact that when we're talking about retirement, we're talking about people who um, are fortunate enough, really, to retire. Right, people who are have the um, have have had the sort of uh, opportunities and jobs that have allowed them to save up enough money in order to to stop regular work or slow down regular work and 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 still live. And that and that this is this is not a universal thing. There there are you know of course a massive portion of society who really need to work paycheck to paycheck until you know until they can't any longer or or until they pass. And that's so so as we're talking about this, we're, I just want to I guess make it clear that we're not making the assumption that this is what everybody gets to do. This is just something that's uh, that's for the people fortunate enough to to be able to. Uh, and do this, and we're trying to help them to to enjoy that time instead of have you know the mental health and physical health issues there. Yeah, no, very good point. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, there are some people that um, they retire, then they actually have a you know, get another job. They have a, a job that they always kind of wanted. Go down to the Home Depot and and help people yeah. out. Or um, anyway, Dad was canning beer there one day or two days a week yeah. a while ago at her brother's brewery. Or Brooke has uh, mentioned that she may want to go and work at the tasting room in a winery. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it was so great. I think Joanna or even myself would like to go maybe a park ranger again. That'd be kind of fun. But um, some people will actually go back and do something on the side just because maybe they don't have those other opportunities or maybe they don't want to pursue those other areas of meaning. I think you're onto something there. I think a lot of people go back to work doing some things because economically they they want to or need to, um, and I think they feel healthier because they enjoy doing that. They've made that choice to do that. Uh, the other thought that came to mind, Brooke, was when we talked about the grief earlier. We know that when a loss occurs in the present, the old losses tend to come back to visit. Exactly. So that can be part of that grief experience that people are going through the adjustment. They're going to be remembering somebody who died 30 years ago, 20 years ago. To not be alarmed if that happens. It's just your, your, your psyche, your brain, your heart is catching up to you now. And uh, you have a chance to write it down, talk about it. You'll grieve now, which you didn't get a chance to finish up later, and you'll be fine. You know, we don't need to be intimidated by that. I think it definitely scares people. Like, why is this coming up now? And I thought I had dealt with this. And yeah, yeah, and especially if people have been really avoiding their whole life through a very busy career, that yeah. would be very flooding for some people, immobilizing probably. Yeah. So to speak to the structure, Chris, is, Chris asked the question, why do some people's mental health decline once they retire? And I think we're addressing some of that here, right? There's grief. There's a loss of structure. There may be a loss of, of the some of the relationships, um, and I guess yeah, we've talked a bit about about those loss. Maybe loss of a meaningful uh, endeavor to to wake up to. Um, I'm I'm curious. What about the relational? What about that relational part? I, I know that I've I've talked with with folks who've retired, and they're like, you know, those those little kind of water cooler moments that they didn't really think were all that significant actually made a big difference and. You know those those kind of casual contacts with with coworkers, they feel like they really want to you know they they miss it and they didn't realize they would. 
in any given morning in this community, if you drive around past a fast food restaurant or whatever, there will be a clutch of guys there around the table. They do it every morning. They come and have coffee together and they visit. And that's partly what they're trying to, to maintain, I think. And I, their wives are probably off doing something as well with their friends. And then you'll see couples together as well, mixing and matching. But a lot of guys seem to get value out of older guys. Seem, and let's keep in mind here, we're talking about aging as well. I mean, you guys are all young enough that that's far away now. But I'm at a point where you get up to a certain age, your friends are ailing. They want to talk about health issues. Some are, are very sick. Uh, so retirement comes with health changes as a rule too for a lot of people. And so there's adjustments to be made there. But anyway, that distraction or that connection they get there, uh, go to the brewery, whatever, you'll see some in the pubs as well. And that may be a, the guys who are trying to tune out from some stuff. Maybe if they're staying the whole day there, uh, there's a variety of uh, things going on maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh a few episodes ago, episode 40, we talked about the book uh, Loneliness. Was that, was that what it was called? No. Together. Together, right. <laughs> Together, which was about loneliness, right? Oh. <laughs> and, um, and in that book, uh, he talked about the fact that there were, there was a growing need for, especially for, for older men, because they tend to have a harder time reaching out socially. Um, but there's, there's this movement, and I, I think it started in Australia and maybe it's moving to Europe, called the Men's Shed, where men would get together and like build things. And they'd sell those things, and the profits would go towards maintaining the Men's Shed. And, and kind of the idea was, we'll, we'll focus on this other thing, this project that we're working on. And in the meantime, we'll be kind of bumping shoulders and building relationships while we're there. And that becomes kind of meaningful. It's the same thing you're talking about there, Dennis, with the uh, you know guys sitting around having coffee, or, or your picture of the old the older guys in the park playing chess, or you know any number of different scenarios where there's some connection, and uh, and that's necessary, isn't it? Pickleball making a comeback. Pickleball, Ooh. yeah, pickleball. isn't ever like the benefits of that game. My goodness, we've been playing pickleball lately, and I I swear the average age is probably 67. Um, very humbling experience getting beat constantly by these uh, older men and women. But um, yeah, but the, uh, the connected piece of it, they show up, um, they set up their chairs, they cycle through games and they hang around and uh, chat after and they find a spot in the park and they're there for hours. It's, it's really neat to see um, often on the weekends, but some actually show up every single day with the weather, weather permitting yeah. and yeah. Uh, hang wow. out together. Yeah, and then yeah, and then seeing the cardiovascular benefits, of course, just the fact they're out there moving and and out, out in nature might be rec centers as well. But yeah, it's going to be a. I'm sure they're going to study that. The benefits of that are going to be vast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I was going to tie that in a little bit, just to the like what I call my home gym. It's not in my home, but the gym that I've belonged to my entire life there. Um, has a very diverse age population. So we actually have quite a few senior citizens with memberships there and they all know each other and they all kind of come around the same time. It's typically in the morning, not too early. So they're not getting the people who are hardcore working out before they go to work. It's after them, but before lunch and they do their workout and they chat while they're there and they tell some jokes and they're very friendly. They're great. And then they go to the pub and they have soup and sandwiches and coffee together. And they connect and they celebrate each other's birthdays and they've kind of figured this out, right? They're creating a community. And I think that's so great. And it's so important. 
so yeah yeah for sure. Yeah, my dad mentioned that the pubs, like there are some people that go to that pub every single day as well. They sit around the wood of that bar yeah. and they drink every day. And of course that can be so damaging in so many different ways, right? But uh, you're right. Some people are adapting in, in such a healthy way and others are, are not, right? Yeah. yeah. It's also, I think, a, a big loss too, Dennis, you mentioned at the start, but we haven't quite really touching on is that loss of identity. Um, so often, especially in our culture, it's, you're so tied to what you do, not who you are. And having that really adjusted or shifted or changing for you is, uh, I think that's very tough for a yeah, lot of I, people. I think you've nailed it. I think a lot of trades guys and others, their, their whole identity is tied up in what they do, some professionals as well. But I think it's connection. If you have connections is through what you do, but you also have connections with, with family and with friends and, and other communities. If you're part of a bunch of communities, I think you're going to be a lot more successful in the transition, any transition really. So I think if we, if we were to boil it down to a key concept, I think this connection piece is really, really important. And it starts right at home because some couples go into crisis when they uh, when they both retire because they're not so they're not used to having so much time together and then they work out a system and uh, they do fine so yeah so within the work that you've done i know that's a big specialty or focus of yours mm-hmm. have you done a lot of that work helping couples adjust to uh retirement more and more of them are coming because the uh the generation before the boomers really are not counseling savvy they see it as weakness still and they have to be pretty freaked heart chest pain or something to bring them in with stress symptoms but the boomers are starting to show up and, and i think a young therapist uh wanting a specialty in the years ahead should work in the area of gerontology because the boomers are coming and they're we've always been we're still listening to the beatles for having sex and inside we're still a lot younger than we appear to be and, and it's, there's a reality check coming for us. And so there's going to be some work to be done there for sure. Um, yeah. Speaking for Generation X, uh, we all should listen to the Beatles as far as I'm concerned. Forever. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. I mean, I think speaking from a millennial, I, I, I agree. The Beatles are fantastic. Ageless. Yeah. And there's Fleetwood Mac and there's always Springsteen. I mean, there's such a great, there's great stuff. Yeah, I agree. You know, I like the, these old rockers. Like Springsteen is mellowing out, and uh, he still can rock it. But he's coming up with some beautiful, gentler music that indicates the transition he's going through as well. So, I I, I got to say, Dennis. Speaking of books, I read uh, Bruce Springsteen's autobiography. And I have it. You have it. We'll read yeah. it. Born to Run. It's great stuff. And he yeah. mentions in there that he spent a. I think either 20 or 30 years and continues in, in psychotherapy. I mean, it's been a massive transformation in his life has been the effective therapy in his world. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Read it, Brooke. It's good stuff. It's quite big. Yeah. Right now it's propping up uh, a plant. <laughs> I'm using it as a plant stand with some other great like group therapy textbook and some other things there, but eventually I'll get to it. Maybe we should do it for a book club. Yeah, maybe. Another note, uh, have you guys seen the movie about Schmidt? Yeah. Yeah, I actually watched that in a um, uh, 
do my uh, BA in psychology. And uh, during one of our courses, must have been a course on aging, or um, we actually, we watched it, yeah. Talking about maybe some of the challenges of retirement and how that can impact someone's mental health. Mm -hmm. An interesting Great. one, if you want, someone wants to, to, to watch it, Jack Nicholson, I think his character's Warren Schmidt. And I think his job is definitely his identity and had a hard time adjusting after, like quite depressed and disconnected and just trying to grapple with that. So he literally goes on a journey there across the country to visit his daughter and yeah, learns a lot about himself and loss, a lot of loss, right? Absolutely. So it's a good movie. It's got know. a lot of lot of heart. There's a, there's some funny moments as well in that movie. It's it's pretty good. Excellent. Yeah, it's worthwhile. So, okay, so did we we figured out why there may be some mental health challenges. We figured out some things about what what people might what might be some key points that uh, people considering retirement might need to do. Dennis, you were talking about don't try to find your hobby after you retire. Try to establish that beforehand, right? Mm -hmm. And Start right now, the importance of yeah, the importance of maintaining uh, social connections and and all of that. I guess. When, when speaking of the of the meaning and purpose, and we, we you know we talk about the identity, and in fact, I, it's funny we we introduce ourselves in this podcast by I'm Ryan Howes, a clinical psychologist. You know, this this is me. This is my title. This is what I do. I, I think that you know that's to establish that we you know we're in the in the field, but I'm more than a psychologist. I have other other roles in my life too. Um, but what's it like when you know, a lot of people have their, their kind of career aspirations, right? Like I want to, I want to be vice president of the company someday, or I want to write the book, or I want to do, you know, something. Oftentimes people, when I want to be a multimillionaire, something like that. But when you start getting closer to retirement, you start to realize, you know what, I, I might not do that, or I might not do that in my career. Is that, is that some of the loss that, that you talk about too? Well, that and and perhaps uh, activities that you might have jumped out of a plane or whatever it might be that you might have done or certain sports activities you could have done when you were younger, you're not able to do anymore. So there's mm. a whole bunch of that happening anyway. Right. Uh, but if you have new stuff going on and you do what you can do, I think that helps with that. I think it does. But some of the career psychology people years ago were saying, gone is the day where you're going to have one career for the whole hall. Most people are going to have four or five different careers over their work span. And so there's probably for some people some variety happening there, which may make uh, moving on to something new a little easier to do. Sure, sure. As, as, as the saying goes, youth is wasted on the young, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like you said, someday I'm going to jump out of an airplane, but I need to work another 40 years first. And then, oh, now well, I don't know about it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and also a lot of some people actually. Um, on another note, they they save out their vacation time until it's time to retire. I don't think they really should do that. I think it's important to with it. to um, if you can, if you have the flexibility. Of course, some people don't to um, do what you can while you're working as well to have a bit of more balance there. So utilizing that time that you're accruing to go on vacation, see what life is like, focus on that communication connection with your significant other go on adventures, right? Because some people wait and wait and wait, and then they don't have the ability to do what they want to do for whatever reason. 
That's right. Point. That happens a lot, I think. Yeah. That's true. So Dennis, your plan is to is to work a little bit, you know, you're talking about a couple of days a week and uh, and then you're you're diving into other activities, volunteering, that sort of thing. Yeah. And and that's you know, that and other social connections, you're hoping that's that's what's gonna keep things interesting for you. I mean, you said before that uh, you're no less busy now than you were <laughs> prior to semi-retiring, right? Right. Yeah, I think there's something to be said for, I mean, the work we do is very meaningful and enjoyable and uh, I've done it a long time and I still enjoy it. So that's that uh, bodes well for continuing on a bit. And you know, there's lots to do. Like I do a lot of marriage work and grief work and there's tons of that to do. So there's that incentive, but I've got the flexibility to take next week off. Or, so to have that mixture is good, but we're, we're trying to reach out to old friends, keep in touch with people. It's that connection again you know, try to make some new friends and, uh, you know, so hopefully that'll help. We'll, we'll talk about it again in a few years and see how we're doing. <laughs> On the 80th, 80th edition of the podcast, we'll have to return to, uh, to this topic. There we go. Not sooner. Okay. That's good. That's good. Yes. My dad also, uh, my dad's an attorney and, uh, and he kind of did similar to you, Dennis, kind of slowed things down a bit, also did some judging and, and mediating on the side. And, and you know, I, I think he'll always be doing something. That's, that's just kind of his, his mindset. I always want to have some, some kind of iron in the fire there somewhere yeah. that's mentoring or working or some of these other side projects. And I think it's great, you know, keep, keep some some sort of uh, momentum going there, you know? It's wonderful. So okay. you guys, keep it in the back of your minds. It's coming down the road. It comes all too quickly. So give a little thought to what you're going to be doing as you're, you're, you're all gearing up and in the middle of your careers now. But don't be afraid, anybody, take a little thought, a little time about doing a little planning down the road so it doesn't bite you when the time comes. Okay, I'm going to put the, the other guys and myself on the spot. Little thought exercise. How would you like to spend your retirement? What would you what do you picture or envision your own retirement goals being? Yeah. So I actually I do think about this. Not a big shocker, because I think about things well in advance. But um, no, I, I think I would definitely move more towards volunteering, but um being more active in local boards, like being in a director in different boards locally for nonprofits or organizations to help. Is I feel like what we do is very important work. It really is, but it's a very micro level. Um, and I would like to eventually make a step where I could help on a more macro level to be a decision maker or influence something on a bigger scale. And it's just not something that I like, yeah, my schedule won't allow for that right now. So board member. Right on. Um, I think for myself, kind of similar, like I, uh, I think I'll definitely have a hybrid approach down the road, maybe similar to the old man, um, but to be nice to uh, do some projects like mental health, we have so much work to do, it seems. So that might be writing or might be uh, presenting or it might be maybe uh, online programs or revamping our mental health bootcamp program, but doing something to 
help impact people. Also, we're Rotarians and there's just lots of good work or lots of ways to make an impact. So contribution, I think, stands out to me. But a lot of vacation time, a little bit more downtime would be nice. We actually have a, uh, a Rotarian friend who presented at our club on Wednesday. And he mentioned that he had retired at the age of 48. Wow. I don't really? think he, yeah, I don't think he, like, he worked it out and he's not, you know, I think my impression, dad, correct me if I'm wrong, is he's not financially like wealthy. He just realized how much he needed to, to retire and, and live comfortably. And then he's gotten really involved uh, in terms of volunteering. So. Wow. Also traveling. Yeah. He's just busy now. He's a very busy guy and, and particularly in his volunteer work. So he's just transferred his energy from work to volunteering and travel. He's going down your way for a month uh, with his motorhome, wife and motorhome to uh, spend uh, a month or so in the warmer weather. And uh, he likes to get on a bike and go touring uh, with buddies. So he mixes it up really well. Holy smokes. That's really wild. Uh, for me, a few things. I, uh, <clears throat> I'm not supervising anyone now, but I, I have supervised for the majority of my career. And I love training young therapists um, and mentoring therapists and, and the craft of therapy. So I think for me, it, if possible, I would love to be in a, in a, in a teaching or mentoring role with, uh, or supervisory role with therapists um, if and when, <laughs> if when I get to the retirement age, I also don't really see myself. Uh, if if I have the mental capacity, I don't really want to stop doing therapy. I, I love I love the work, uh, like Dennis said. And I actually had uh, I did an internship at a place called the Wright Institute, and the founder of the Wright Institute, she was a therapist who continued to see clients until she died at 101. Whoa! And she. She's a great psychoanalytic therapist and, and did, did fantastic work. And, um, and it was, you know, she was able to do the work and, and people kept coming to her. I mean, she wasn't working 40 hours a week, but, you know, she was doing some work. Uh, so I'd love to do that. And I think my, my the two other things I want to do, <laughs> I have a lot of things I want to do when I retire, I guess. <laughs> um, I, I really want to get more into writing. Um, I'd love to write more, more kind of, stuff about therapy but i'd love to actually explore writing fiction some more and um because i, I do love I, I love the the flow of of writing when you get into that zone which feels great and i've also been a runner through a lot of my life and long distance running is something that people do until you know later much later life and i and i i would love to uh to keep engaged with running um, as kind of a side hobby and also a social thing and a way to, to stay healthy. So, so yeah, I've got a lot of plans for retirement. Sounds like it. Yeah. Gosh. Yes. I wish, I wish I could retire at 48 and just drive my <laughs> RV around. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah. My goodness. I feel like it genuinely, like it's almost, I would almost prefer to win the lottery than retire if that makes any sense. And I would then just do everything I'm doing for free. Like, I would probably still see clients one or two days a week and I wouldn't charge them. Like I would vet them to know that these people need therapy and they can't afford it. And you bet I'm still going to do that. Like there's, 
it's been a bit of a life motto. Like I'm, I'm, I really don't want to do anything that I wouldn't do for free. Hmm. Um, that's a nice so, way to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so in many ways, that's how I view retirement. Like if I no longer financially need that, then what can I do with that freedom to impact others in a positive way? Nice idea. Charge them at least $10 a session because they'll work harder in their therapy if they pay you something. That is true. Uh, they don't work as hard otherwise. I was talking to the registrar of our college today about a, a matter and uh, I said, you know, I'm getting up and uh, I'm wondering, are you still letting old guys work as psychologists? And she said, you're on the lower end of the age bracket of the registrants. There's a whole whack of people older than I am. <laughs> okay, well, that, that takes care of that. So I don't have to worry about being uh, drummed out of the the group I can keep plugging away. Well, wow. that's a good news and bad news. We thought that once people started aging out or retiring, that they would change the bylaws. So some younger people like myself might have a better shot at getting into the college. Guess I think not. that's coming. I think that's well, coming anyway. There's some must be. Yeah. 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 I think uh, uh, this is a this is a America Canada difference. Is there like a limited number of people who can be a part of the no, that, but the, the bylaws for registration uh, won't acknowledge the institute that I went to school for oh. my ID, even though there's been three, I think three psychologists in our practice. The practice has 21 or 22 people. Three of them had done that program and registered with the College of Psychologists. So I did the following the giant, the footsteps of the giants that go before you and um, but by that time, they changed the bylaws, and they will no longer acknowledge uh, that. Got it. Through. Yeah. So, anywho, waiting for them to switch the bylaws back. Nasty. <laughs> You'll get. It'll get there. I'm sure. And if not, that's okay. It, it's just. Sure. Um, it's just a title. It doesn't. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Fine. There you are. Well, gosh, I, I feel much more educated about retirement. I feel much clearer on what I need to do as I face retirement and, and I'm going to continue to develop my hobbies and my social circles. Thanks to you, Dennis. And uh, yeah, I feel like we answered the question. Chris, did we answer the questions? I think we did a fantastic job answering the question. Okay. Well, I feel the same way. Uh, Dennis, once again, thank you for joining us. Uh, this was a perfect topic for you to show up. It's amazing. Yeah, it was great. Nice timing. It's nice great timing. timing. Very coincidental. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go figure. Here we are. You're retired. We're talking. It's crazy. Yeah. Okay. So we're gonna wrap up for tonight. But uh, so that's it. Let's like and subscribe on Apple, Google, Podbean, Audible, Spotify, Stitcher, or YouTube. Send your questions, please, to info at mentalhealthbootcamp.com visit us on facebook or instagram tell a friend or two and have a wonderful week and dream of a healthy retirement everybody okay, yeah. bye, bye everybody. everybody thanks for listening take bye. care bye. Bye. Oh, my God.